This one surprises me. And Caleb, you're more of a gambler than I am. And this is brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. But the line for the Kentucky game, I got to give that away. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Zen Sports, the new sportsbook in Tennessee. Wait till you see what the line is. Revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. With their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code HOOKED. It's HOOKED. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Please sign up and use the promo code HOOK to refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards, too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 or over and in Tennessee to bet. How's Tennessee in some places a four and a half point favorite at Kentucky? Well, I was actually shocked by this, but from a different perspective than you. Okay. I thought it'd be closer to seven to eight points, if I'm being honest, for Tennessee. And now that to be fair, they're giving Kentucky, I think, three points because of the line. But and I know there's issues, but I think Tennessee actually showed odds makers a lot last weekend. Look, that second half, we can talk about it all day. And there were things Tennessee didn't do right, but we know Alabama is just a better team in the trenches. And Tennessee had, you know, a succession of bad things happen to them that isn't average in a game. You're not really necessarily going to see that at Kentucky. And so I think what they're seeing is okay, what I saw from Tennessee last weekend, two big issues. Tennessee, Joe Milton can be effective throwing the ball when he's dare to, if he runs with it and opens up the offense a little bit and stretches the defense. And the whole road narrative that didn't manifest itself on Saturday. There weren't pre-snap penalty mistakes on the road in Saturday's game. And I think a lot of people, I think odds makers saw that. I see that and I'm like, why is it three and a half, four and a half and not seven and eight? Because Kentucky has looked bad the last two games they've played. Yeah, they've, they've lost both games. Uh, Travis says Kentucky is Kentucky history. Say we sit them back to the coal mines crying. That reminds me of one of the better basketball players on my high school team. And uh, he was struggling at the time. Most athletic guy I've ever seen. And he goes, well, if it doesn't work out in basketball in high school, I can just go back to Kentucky and work the coal mine. I'm like, ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like any fun at all. Uh, I mean, back in the day, coal mine, you know, they were unionized jobs. They pensions, benefits, took care of your family. Yeah. You know. that, that man loved him some skull. I uh, hope he's doing well now. Um, the, I guess, I, I mean, to me, this is a coin flip game. And I say that. And maybe I'm factoring in the uh, mentality of it a little bit too much. This Tennessee football team, and Spencer was right, they weren't ready to play for a championship this year, but they sure thought they were, right? And now you have, you don't have that to play for. So I could easily see Tennessee showing up flat. Um, I, I It's funny that you think it should have been higher and I think it should have been lower. Caleb is the guy you should listen to in gambling. There's no question about that, but uh, it's it's a total coin flip. This is one of those games that if, if, if you gave me the whole list of spreads, I wouldn't touch with my money for anything. No, no, I would not touch that with my money. I'm curious. You'll make a pick, I know, but would you would you touch this one or is it scary on no, both sides? I'm staying away from this too. I would not tell anybody to touch this one. 
um, particularly with now we don't know what to expect. Tennessee has turned into Alabama in this way. Alabama has been impossible to gamble on this year because they played so differently in every game. And Tennessee has now fit that mold because of how they played last Saturday. You don't know what Tennessee you're going to get. You don't know if they're going to be the run team to beat Texas A&M or if they're going to be Joe Milton airing it out. And I think that that makes things very difficult. There's three things working against Tennessee. One, the questions about them on the road. Two, Kentucky coming off a bye. Three, and you and I have talked about it, Dave, this team playing at night. However, I think Kentucky practices early in the morning too. So I think that'll actually help Tennessee in this one. And so this is going to be tricky to figure out. I will say a lot is riding on this game. I don't know if you know, Tennessee fell just for just to get this out of the way. They fell four spots to number 21 in the AP poll and five spots to number 20 in the coaches poll. Uh, see, there is, the two lost teams ahead of them right now are Notre Dame, LSU, and then Duke in the AP poll. Funny enough. But I, I guess that's because, again, they're giving Duke credit for beating Clemson, but Clemson's not looking good, which we're going to address later. So I, I, I don't see how you could say Duke's ahead of Tennessee right now. But yeah, I think that Vegas is a little bit higher on the Vols. I think if you're doing a futures odd, Dave, this is because there's at Kentucky, at Missouri, and Georgia at home. What would your guess be the record of those three games? Ask me that question again. Kentucky, Missouri, and Georgia. I'm setting the over under for wins at 1.5. Well, yeah. Um, I I think they'll win two of those three games. You so you think they go two and you think they go two and one in those three games? Uh yeah, I still think they beat Kentucky. It's just not a number I would touch. If they um, beat Kentucky, and this is a big deal, we have to point this out. If they beat Kentucky, then at that point we're talking um, eight and four is a minimum for this for this season, which is not a bad transition season. Nine and three is still on the table too. Well, wait a second, eight and four, just okay. Transition year. Transition no. year. No. I, th- I I I get this. No, no, I, I, I I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. This this is a nine win football team. Well, they could still win nine games if they win their bowl. Well, no, I'm talking about nine regular season. You, we, Tennessee you has and I never... both know that we don't know the uh, the bowl scenario. Does the other team want to be there? I never count those. This should be a nine win regular season football team. Period. Tennessee has won nine regular season games once since 2007, and that was last year. Okay, we're forgetting where this program has been and how bad the program was. For a long time. Hell, this is Josh Heupel's third year. It's a trend. Yes, but he lost a lot of talent that Jeremy Pruitt brought in. He was a he had a very thin roster. Okay, then where does it go next year when he's when it's all his players? Are you telling me that uh, Pruitt's players got Tennessee to ten wins and it wasn't Heupel's offense? How about let me ask you that? Actually, let me ask you that. What percentage of Tennessee getting? to 10 wins in the regular season last year was Pruitt's players versus Josh Heupel's coaching and his offensive scheme. I would still say it was Heupel's coaching. I would still say it was Heupel's coaching, but Pruitt's 70, players 30, had a 70, 30, 70, 30. Yeah, I guess that's a good one. 70, 30. I'd go 70, 30. Well, if it's 70, 30 and he's that good of a coach, they should win nine games this year. Let's also bring this up. Let's go to history real quick. And I just want to bring this up historically. Different scenarios. I know took over a totally different program. Dave, 93, Phil, Philip Fulmer's first job. I mean, first full-time season as head coach, right? 93, after the whole mm-hmm. 92 debacle. Fulmer goes 10-2. Top 10 team, a historically great offense with Heath Schuler. 
what happens in 94 when Fulmer has has to replace a lot of talent? It's his second year. He's technically an ascendant coach, but what did he do? He had a drop-off because he had a lot of young talent, and they went eight and four. But Tennessee went eight and four, but you were okay with them going eight and four because you're thinking, okay, they're eight and four, but you got a future with Peyton Manning at quarterback and a bunch of great talent from the 94 class. So I think this team is kind of like the 94 team. Okay, I, I see that. Um, on the message board, Mr. Jones says, Hooker with this defense, we would be national champs this year. Uh, I don't know about that, but I would say I would say Hooker and Hyatt, you got it. You're in, you're in, you're in the ballgame. I'm still not so sure. Look, I said this with Florida. I'm not so sure Tennessee beats Alabama on Saturday if Hendon Hooker's in that, if Hendon Hooker's quarterback instead of Joe Milton. I, I'm really not. I, I think, again, Tennessee well, lost in the Florida. Trenches. I think they beat. They Florida. definitely would beat. They would definitely beat Florida. At which point, eleven and one is still on the table because there's no shame in losing at Alabama. But I keep hearing this this past weekend that they would beat Alabama with Hooker. I don't think they do because Tennessee lost that game because they lost in the trenches. It wasn't because of Joe Milton. They lost in the trenches. And by the way, that's how they beat Alabama last year. For all the Hooker to Jalen Hyatt passes you saw last year against Alabama, Tennessee won because they manhandled Alabama on the line of scrimmage. And the only reason it was a close game is because Alabama had this guy named Bryce Young, a generational talent at quarterback who I would, I would have traded 10 draft picks to get Bryce Young in the NFL last year. I want to take a second to go to our message board and and you tell me, and you, you can also comment on Twitter if you're watching that way and we'll be sure and check that. But I want to get a couple of people to tell me uh, is eight and four a disappointment because I believe firmly it is. Um, so I, Go ahead and tell me what you think. Uh, eight and four. I think this should be a nine-win football team, especially we haven't discussed this, but let's factor in the SEC's down, right? It's not as I'm I'll get to this in the next segment with the power rankings, but I will say it's not as down as I thought. I think that SEC was I think the quarterback changes are why the SEC struggled so early in the year. And I think that that's it fuels your argument for the 12 team playoff because teams are bringing in new quarterbacks and need to learn things at the beginning of the year. And I think the, this is not the same Alabama team that lost to Texas. Let's just call that what it is. This Alabama, they figured out how to use Jalen Milrow and LSU. I think they would beat Florida state if they played him again. Jaden Daniels looks like the best quarterback in college football right now. Oh, and I, I think it, I, I agree with that. Uh, there's not a lot of great quarterback play uh, right now. So my question is would you be okay with Vols winning just eight games this season in the regular season? Uh, and you say that that's, that's okay. That's, that's a good thing. I think it's just below what you wanted. I think you wanted nine and three or 10 and two, but I don't think it's a panic like seven and five or six and six would have done. I don't think it's something that makes you worry. Like for instance, um, in 20, 2016, when Tennessee went eight and four, Josh Dobbs a senior year, that's when you worried about Butch Jones because they were supposed to win the East that year and they went eight and four. I don't think that that's this. I don't think it's the same as going eight and four like they did in 2016. Here's what our message board says. Green wave eight and four is a slight disappointment, though it is basically what we should have been expecting preseason. We had too much hype coming off the orange bowl. Truth to that. Yes. Travis says eight and four is a disappointment. Nine and three is good. 10 and two is exceptional. That's where I am. Travis. Orange Blood said eight and four is C minus. I agree. I think that's below average. Um, there we go. Charles, though, agrees with Caleb that this is a How about okay this? transition year. Nine Charles, and three is par. No, I'm kidding. Nine and three is par. Eight and four is bogey. But it's not a double bogey. Okay. 
it's just a bogey. Okay. Are you 100% sure this, this team is going to avoid a double bogey? I mean, you would... That they would have to lose to they would have to lose to Kentucky, Missouri, and Georgia. They got to beat one of those teams. They're going to beat one of those teams, right? Yes. And this talk uh, that I was a big part of in the summer, uh, if Nico is the quarterback, yes. If not, no. Um, there's a real argument to be made, and I'm going to go back and kind of contradict myself that it would have taken Nico every bit as long to adjust to the college game as it has Joe Milton which it has because he really hasn't played that much, even though, and I made this point earlier, he's that much older. Uh, I think Nico could have had some very similar struggles. Caleb, the one thing that I will continue to say that I've been told from within the program several times is that he's darn ready and he's darn accurate. And darn accurate might be the difference in a game or two. Now, do I like Nico behind Ollie Lane in Gainesville? No. Do I like Nico having to run a, um, a one-sided offense because they can't run the ball in Tuscaloosa? No. And I, I, but I don't think that you can guarantee. See, if I would have, I would have either had a real quarterback competition, and if Nico wins it, he wins it, or I would have gotten him some real playing time. The UTSA game is the one I pointed to, and see where things are. At this point, though, it feels like Joe Milton's kind of got his sea legs, right? Yeah, this is Joe Milton's like this is his team and it's the rest of the year for him. And there's not going to be a moment where you bench him where you say the season's lost because we can't do this because it's Kentucky, then it's UConn. And if they don't play him against UConn, they okay, put it this way. If Tennessee loses to Kentucky because Milton plays poorly and you don't play Nico against UConn, then you're not putting Nico in the rest of the year. David says get Mays to stay with some serious NIL money. Well, I'm doing my part. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure, so sure that won't happen by the way that he could stay. Well, I, I, yeah. I've talked to him about it. I mean, I, I don't mind sharing. It wasn't an off the record, uh, uh, conversation. You know, the plan was for him to go the whole time. Now he didn't know that he was going to have the hernia issue and the plan was for him to go. The plan was for Jacob Warren to go last year. Um, and he, or after last year. So, yeah, I think if Cooper Mays looks at his draft grade and it says the four to seven range, which is a huge variance, um, and injuries are going to be an issue with Coop, even though there's nothing any of us can do about a hernia, okay? As a matter of fact, it means you're working really hard. But he had injury issues two years ago, so that's going to be a factor. I think if he sees a, a draft grade of four to seven and he thinks that he could help himself, yeah, I think there's a chance he stays. If you If you – Held me down to a percentage. I think he's 70% gone. But we've got a lot of football left to play. Yeah, exactly. And also, Cooper Mays, knowing what he knows now, could focus next year on just staying healthy so he could actually himself choose to get a surgery if he needs to in the summer. And, or, you know, he'll probably go a little light in spring to try to get fully healthy. You know, this day and then conditioning and things like that. I think Cooper will make sure he makes sure that that his body is because a hernia, anything like that, that's like a wear and tear injury, right? It's not a freak accident. That's a wear and tear on what you're doing and you hurt it, right? It's usually like kind a of a strain. Pressure. It's kind of a strain thing. Um, yeah. And Coop works incredibly hard in, in the weight room. You want, hey, just go ahead and factor this under coaching. Why was that not diagnosed in April and the surgery was in April? I mean, th these guys have some of the best medical professionals in the world you don't just pop a hernia 
in the middle of camp. As a matter of fact, you're lifting less. Yeah, a hernia is literally the, it's like a stress fracture. It only comes because you've been putting pressure on something for a long time. It's not a freak accident where you broke your leg turning one way. Okay, isn't that part of coaching then? Yeah, no, I I think that's a big part of coaching. And I think that I thought from the start that Josh Hypo was desperate because he knew he had issues at center and he didn't want to open up any possibility that Cooper Mays couldn't go. And so what was the so what was the mindset that Cooper Mays makes it through with a significant hernia injury and then that hurts his draft stock? If that's the I, mindset, I don't like anything I, about that. I think Hypo was trying to convince himself that Cooper Mays was healthy. And well, then we're talking okay, but that that goes back I, to I, look, it was thing. a mistake. It was a bad issue. Yeah, it was a bad mistake. Also, I think he wanted to make sure Milton was brought along in camp and he wanted to see what Milton can do with Cooper May snapping for him. But look, I think this was a big issue. And I got a lot of look, that's talent evaluation and being on top of the medical staff are two issues with hypo right now that are not good long term issues if you're Tennessee. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Not having a quarterback ready not being on top of an injury that could have been addressed. uh, I was told not by Cooper, but could have been addressed earlier in the summer. Those sorts of things are head coach weight material that you should be able to handle. And Josh Heupel to me is an offensive coordinator that is still growing as a head coach. So Tennessee doesn't lose to Florida. If Cooper Mays is healthy and in there. So, I mean, you have to put that one on hypo, right? No, I totally agree. I, I totally agree on that one. That one goes on hypo. Well, I'll tell you what, Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million Sports Treasures and so much more, follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. So go to Facebook, go to Sports Treasures TN, Sports Treasures TN, and that's on Facebook, and get those updates because they got great stuff coming in about the balls and other uh, other sports memorabilia as well. Sports treasures in North Knoxville. You'll love them. And okay, one thing that's been addressed a couple of times on the message board, how much of Tennessee's struggles, if at all, are Alex Golish leaving for South Florida? None. None. It's a change in personnel. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. So I was just curious where you stood on that. Um, I think it's a change of personnel. I think whoever is the offensive coordinator, whether his name's Halsley or Golish, I think you're talking about a guy that is is essentially running what Josh Heupel wants him to run the same way that Nick Saban over the years, his defense has been what it, he wanted it to be. I don't think they're having major say. I think they have input. 